0: Welcome to episode 169 of the Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, and strategies for the casual spike. My name is Stanislav, coming at you live from Fort Worth, Texas, and with me in the room, sitting three, four feet in front of me. Oh yeah, I'm touching
1: your foot. It's the one and only Shane Beeps. What's up, Stanislav? Shane, good to see you. Again, it's on, I mean, it's really good to see both y'all. And like, in full disclosure, I've seen you yesterday and today. It's Saturday, yeah. So we've had two days of convention time, uh, SEG con time, and it's been nice to catch up. You know, it's I, I felt so I feel so far away from y'all, even though I see you every week. So it's nice. It's nice to be face to face.
0: Also, does the Godfather sitting directly to my right. We're sharing a couch at long last. <laughs> Love to sit with the one and only Dave Harburger.
2: Hi, everybody. It's been two great days of me just getting trounced all over the place by lovely listeners and other people here in the Fort Worth area, and also enjoying some wonderful outdoor time at the Fort Worth Arts Festival. That's right. Let me hear you, Fort Worth Arts Arts Festival. Woo!
1: Woo! (sighs) Stan, I love how you completely ignored my, like, slightly
2: emotional, great to see you guys, and you're just like, let's move on to Dave. Yeah, I like that, too. (laughs) shane it's nice to see you sometimes i forget that we live so far away from each other now i mean we
1: do basically have a video chat every week like you know remember the early days of coronavirus time when
2: like people were trying to do video chats and uh virtual happy hours and we get to have that every week it's true it is always a happy hour it's always really more like a happy two hours with us and the dive down and you all thanks for listening
0: and unlike other happy hours, I don't drink while we record, except coffee, so it's kind of like a happy little cafe
2: ole. You know how I roll, so I'm not even going to comment. I don't have a can nearby to open.
0: On this week's episode, we are going to go over our free preview from Wizards of the Coast. We got a Streets of New Capenna spoiler card. We're excited to talk about it, break it down, consider some of its applications, and decide whether or not it's playable in our favorite formats. We're also going to talk about some of the other spoilers that we've seen so far from Streets of New Capenna, cards that have jumped out to us. It won't be an exhaustive discussion, but we're gonna have fun together talking about cards and seeing if being in the same room will keep tempers down. <laughs> and then finally we'll wrap up with a little recap of our experience here at SCG Con Dallas. What we played, what we beat, what we lost to, and some of the friends we made on the convention hall
2: floor. And the, me- the meals we had. The meats we had, I was going to say, but I mean meals. We should talk about the meats. <laughs> and the meals. The meaty meals. But first, let's housekeep.
0: Shout out to the newest patrons to join the Dive Down Nation. We got Cameron S., Andrew, with no last name or last initial. Just the Andrew. We got the Andrew? We got the Andrew. Wow. The er Andrew. (laughs) Yeah. More Andrew than Andrew WK. This Andrew. Wow. And last but not least, we also got Sean G. Thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you for joining. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us over at patreon.com slash thedivedown. You can also support us while playing Magic with a Mana Trader subscription with promo code thedivedown2022. Get 15% off your first two months of renting Magic Online cards in mana traders, it's the best way to prepare for SCG cons and other paper events, because you can play with all the cards
2: in any format, even Penny Dreadful. With a free mana traders account, I'm sure you could play any Penny Dreadful deck you wanted. Those Penny Dreadful cues were popping here at SCG con. Not really, actually, but Popper was. Popper was. For what it's worth, I think Popper was more popular than standard. let's not talk about standard. We don't talk about standard. <laughs> Yeah, let's just
1: let's talk about that briefly because like it was weird how little people were playing standard. Like maybe it's maybe
2: it's not. I don't know, but for scale everybody, most of the modern events seem to have between forty, sixty, eighty. This is outside these are the side events, yeah. Kind of number of people. I think the standard one that I saw had twenty-four. That's the biggest one you saw? I think so. Our pioneer one this afternoon had
1: like forty-eight. Mm-hmm. and that was that so that was the afternoon pioneer and yeah so
2: standard is not what people are playing in paper at least here so we don't talk about standard i mean no, we don't no, no. so lynn i know you play magic get, get at us lynn manuel miranda sponsor our podcast i would love that and also cast us in your next
0: film
1: yeah i mean the McElroys gotten trolls too that's right why not the dive
0: down over at in the heights too much anticipated i can't wait for the the sequel There's one last way that you can support the show, and that's with Barrister and Man.
1: Whenever I'm traveling again, and I remember how last time I traveled, I was like,
2: I just want my Barrister and Man products. I don't have them, and I'm sad about it. There's something with the water here in (laughs) Dallas. There's something in the water in Fort Worth where my hair (laughs) on my face is so puffy. Is it puffier than usual? puffy. My eyebrows are tentacly. And I have nothing to tame them. I left my beard oil and eyebrow oil at home. Barrister, man, please FedEx me a bottle <laughs> small morning so I can oil down before I get on my flight home. Overnight. So, yeah. um, The Barrister, man,
1: if you're not aware, if it's the first time you're listening to us for some reason, uh, it's you can get... Soaps, shaving soaps, fragrances, what else is there? Uh, Aftershave balms, aftershave lotions. I don't know if those are the same thing or not. But all the products, what, what I like most about the products is that they are seasonal Mm -hmm. that they come in cycles that stuff sort of gets reprinted from that from the vaults it's you know there's always the stuff that's always there to be purchased and then special stuff comes out and people get excited about it the what's the newest one it's the the what's-its yeah behold the
0: what's-its the The dr seuss inspired
1: yeah it's behold the what's-its right It's my least favorite ben stiller movie i'm looking i'm looking forward to uh maybe getting a sample or purchasing some of that so if you are interested in that, if you have a person or yourself that you think would like products like that, I mean, there is stuff for uh, any home. Go over to Barrister and Man M A Double N. Use the purchase coupon code the Dive Down Twenty Twenty Two. All one word. We know a lot of you out there have used it. Uh, we appreciate that. We'll appreciate it. Um, and we appreciate all of you all listening to this. And any way you want to support us, we're thankful.
0: All right, let's get to one of the most exciting moments in the history of us making this show. We got a free preview from Wizards of the Coast from the newest set, Streets of New Capenna.
2: It's card number fifty-two. Ooh, Ooh, what an auspicious number! Indeed, it is. I'm excited, so excited that the couch is shaking right now with my my joy. Stan, who's gonna? Are you gonna do the honors of reading it? I think that I am willing to let you. Yeah, do that. I, f- I feel
1: like you've worked the hardest for
2: this, Danislov. Out of the way. Stanislav is coming through. Out of the way, everybody. No, that's the name of the card. It's oh. called Out of the Way. One of our worst bits ever. But here it is. Yes, the card is called Out of the Way. Has a title, like some of those great cards from uh, the AFR set as well, where mm-hmm. they're kind of like phrases yes. instead of uh, instead of card titles. Phrases. So hot right now in Magic.
0: Mm. Phrases. Out of the Way. Three and a blue for an instant. This spell costs two generic mana less to cast if it targets a green permanent. My least favorite kind. Mm-hmm. And it reads: Return target non-land permanent and opponent controls to its owner's hand. Draw a card.
2: And the flavor text is: "You bore me." <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that this is Blake subtweeting us by telling <laughs> because with that flavor text because we asked so many times for a a preview card and he was funny. like fine you bore me here it is (laughs) i hope not
0: i hope that's not the case i will say if you're listening to the show chances are you may have seen this card already spoiled it was spoiled by us officially on monday we put out a video check out our various social media feeds to see a video of us using this card in action and it occurs to me in the video we were only targeting green spells but that's not even necessarily the case green just
2: lets you get the discount you can target any spell with this Not any spell, though. Any permanent. Any non-land permanent. And I think that's a big deal about this particular card compared to other cards that came before this. So you know what I like to call this? I like to call this a submerge effect. Interesting. Perhaps you might be familiar with the card submerge from, I believe, uh, er, let me look real quick. It's from Nemesis. And it is a card that costs four generic and a blue. It's an instant, and it says, if an opponent controls a forest and you control an island, you may play Submerge without paying its mana cost. And this says, put target creature on top of its owner's library. Mm-hmm. This is a card that sees play in Legacy in different, at different times. Yep. It gets free. It doesn't draw a card, but there's been many cards that do things like this ever since. I believe Submerge was basically the first one that was this kind of blue on green bounce hate kind of card. Right. But this is a little more universal. Well, this, you can also use Submerge to target anything. It's just the freeness of it. Correct. The cost reduction is from green.
1: Yeah, What are the closest things we found? Like an Into the Royal and like the
2: clone card of that? So Into the Royal would be your, and uh, Blink of an Eye, yeah. would be your kind of current design era of magic versions of this card, except those ones use Kicker to be able to add the tr- the card drawing ability where this one always has the card drawing ability on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way it's templated is that, you know, this is essentially supposed to be a blue versus green sideboard card of some kind or another, because yeah. you don't really want to pay for, for this. No. I guess you might, yeah. but you really, you really don't want to. Right.
1: Yeah. So this is a classic color hoser effect. We often see cycles of these, especially in contemporary sets. I mean, I guess those go way back, color hosers, right? Well, they this go back to Nemesis, yeah.
2: With Submerge, and there's been many between here and even there. Even in as Alpha well. and Beta, there was like what, like destroy all islands and things like that, sure. destroy all planes. Tsunami, they were land based hate. Yeah. Um, yeah. They weren't as close to this. Bouncing wasn't quite as, as much of an effect in the early in Alpha Beta. I mean, Unsummon was there, but. Sure. So let's talk about the actual power
1: level of this card. Because I feel like in modern, I doubt that this is like a,
2: a modern playable card. Why, though? It's, What's the biggest problem, I think, it's, anyway? Well, it's, it's, it's too expensive and too narrow. It's also competes with a... And, and, and Pioneer competes with this card, too. And that card is Aethergust. Yes. And Brazen Borrower. Well, Bra- Brazen Borrower sure is different, too, because, because it has a... um. It always has a cheap bounce ability, but it doesn't draw a card. But adventure is kind of like drawing a card. Right. Right? And but you know the card you're drawing. Right. You're drawing a brazen bar. Yeah. And when it comes to Aethergust, Aethergust puts this on top of someone's library, which is a better effect. Yeah. You know, you don't draw a card off of Aethergust, but you do kind of get to submerge them by having the, the permanent go on top of their library as well. The other problem with this card, I think, personally, is that... Uh, aether gust targets spells mm-hmm. and it targets red spells mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. so while Aethergust gust literally can only target green and red spells it's still always 2 you're generally only going to use this card in times when you can use the cost reduction effect and aether gust does sort of draw a card by making them have to redraw the card that you target with it so in my opinion that's That's kind of the story of this card, unfortunately. Yeah, so up against Aether Gust, it's a fairly
1: narrow um, restriction in terms of you don't want to cast this for four just to bounce and draw. But it's, it's an interesting card. Sand, do you have any more insight on this where you're going to want to convince me that this is maybe even pioneer or historic playable?
0: The thing about cards like this, where it costs one and then it has a cost reduction effect, we see cards like this see play in modern cascade decks because you want to be able to have interaction that doesn't non-bow with your cascade spells and to dave's point you know something like this competes with brazen in that case or mm-hmm. or dead and gone is another cart in that
2: space that lets you have cheap interaction even though the cmc is pretty pretty high how much does it bounce mode of dead and gone cost it costs three it's two generic in a red in a red and that's gone and it's any target correct It's any any creature Creature, yes so this one does non-land permanence yes which is maybe something worth keeping an eye on for that sense perhaps the problem is though
0: i don't know if there's enough specific green permanence that a cascade deck would want this But at least it plays by the rules of that deck where you can have two-mana interaction that replaces itself, buys a little tempo, clears the way for your rhinos to get through, which
1: I think is pretty key. I mean, one of the issues with this card, too, is that in contemporary card design, there's so many mole drifters. And so lots of cards come down with an ETB effect. They're doing something. There's spells stapled on bodies. So if you're bouncing a creature back to in hand or something like that, then frequently you're just giving your opponent some value you might have seen we did we were playing with creatures like that in our spoiler video
2: it was hilarious i laughed Yeah, they call it a bit oh oh but yeah i mean i do think that that's kind of from my reading of this after thinking about this card for about a week i think the bottom line really is maybe it goes into cascade or another deck that's trying to abuse mana costs in the way that cascade does by having it have a higher number in the upper right-hand corner than what it actually costs you to use it. And maybe there's a metagame where you might have really, really wanted Aether Gusts or something, and you decide instead you'd rather have it out of the way in a, in a similar swap because you're trying to cascade.
0: Maybe this is something you can look to if you're in a blue deck and you're really struggling to deal with tarmogoyfs.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah, why not? I mean, although, like you said, Brazen Borrower does a great job of that but yeah. two. Why
0: not eight brazen borrowers?
1: Why not? Why not a brazen borrower that replaces itself? Eight borrowers, my favorite deck. So. Yeah. Well, I think we gave this card, uh, it's due, uh, thanks a ton wizards for thinking of us and getting us in, hopefully in the spoiler family. And,
2: uh, it's been fun. Yeah. Thank you so much. We appreciate it.
0: Yes. And we certainly appreciate all of the dive down listeners and fans that have joined us on this journey. We knew we've talked about this being a milestone that we had we're working towards and a lot of people would reach out to wizards on our behalf they would cite our names and in sources and in, in surveys we never really condoned or asked for that behavior but we appreciate it and we know that we know it came from the heart all right with out of the way out of the way let's talk about some of the other cards that have jumped out to us from the new set we've got
2: scryfall sorted by mana value yeah it is saturday april 9th at six oh eight p.m Central Standard Time. And to the best of our knowledge, these are the cards that have been shared with the world s- so far. You know, we're in daylight time, by the way. Whatever. <laughs> it's 6.08 p.m. So who wants to go first? Who's got a card that they think is interesting to talk about first? I'm
1: looking at most of these
2: for the first time, so bear with me. Can I throw out a weird one just to like whet our appetite? A little card that I don't think is good but is notable? Please. How about the series of common lands called racers ring and skybridge towers and things like that. They enter the battlefield tapped. They are dual lands and they have a four mana and tap activated ability to sack them and draw a card. I'm surprised you're calling them out. You think these can see (laughs) play? I just think it's interesting that they put the draw card ability on a series of commons That I don't think they're super powerful, but I do think that like that ability is pretty powerful, even though it's really expensive. And I wonder a little bit if it's maybe a budget option for people who are trying to figure things out or something else.
1: I mean, they're definitely better than the gain land that we typically see in the spot for like limited. It's it's definitely a powerful limited ability. And I like the fact that it gives you something to do as a mana sink, which is, again, something they're typically trying to
2: do for for limited games, especially best of one limited, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, this is a set of very playable cards in, in Modern. Of course, the activated ability is absurdly cheaper in Modern. The one one colorless to sacrifice it and draw mm-hmm. a card is crazy cheap. You know, Horizon Kennedy. But it's a series that people have been clamoring to have finished in Modern. I just think it's interesting that it exists on a common, and maybe you know, there's some way to abuse it in Pioneer or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm
1: down. I like these lands. I especially like them in Limited. And if anyone sees a way to use them in their constructed decks, more power to them for using a common land and not paying like twenty bucks for the later fuse. Mm-hmm. Single blue mana, instant, counter, target non-creature spell. Its controller creates two treasure tokens, and we all know what those do. I hope. So one mana in gate yeah, that's a good card like this is this is a card like if you are up against a combo deck that wants to cast one spell yeah to win, then they might who cares if they get more mana oftentimes if you stop that one spell, it's like you know if people who play Thoughtseize know where if they can get that out at the right time, then sometimes that destroys the opponent's whole game plan this you don't have you, you know you don't have to. Do it ahead of time. You can just be sitting there waiting for it and have just one mana open. If they're not expecting an offer you can't refuse, then that's something that they're going to have to think about more.
0: It is a better late game than Spell
2: Pierce.
1: Yes, for sure. Which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. I don't want to. It's sort
2: of like a reverse Spell Pierce, isn't it? It's yeah. like you don't have the chance to pay you, but we give you two. That's right.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think this has some options. Like it's it's, again,. It's one of those things where it's like a sideboard card, almost certainly. And the issue in modern, especially, is that we have 15 sideboard cards. Well, so it's like... Well, playing
0: two Spellpierce main these days. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but Spell Pierce hits... Does Spell Pierce
2: only hit non-creature spells?
1: Yeah.
2: It's the same. It, yeah, yeah exactly. it's a, It's a conditional negate, essentially, which is what this is, too. For sure. I mean, Spellpierce is a great card. And I I think that this is extremely risky of a card, right? Yeah. Giving someone yes. resources is extremely risky, but it's one mana. There might be a deck that doesn't. I, I almost wonder if this is used offensively by a combo deck that does not care if they Ooh. give it, you extra mana, like That's, they want one yes. mana shut down counter spells more so than the other thing. And maybe they can't load up with enough force negations. They don't have enough blue cards to play all those force negations. But if they're like I want to make sure that whatever you try to do to stop my combo doesn't go through for one mana.
1: Yeah, that's actually really astute, Dave, where it's like, it's a protective spell because there's no timing restrictions. There's nothing like that. It's just like, I'm going to resolve this living
2: end. Right. Whether
1: you like it or not.
2: Yeah. I mean, the, the tricky part there is, is that someone is interacting with you at instant speed and they go spell pierce and you go an offer you can't refuse and that resolves. They get two more mana and then they go counter spell. Right. <laughs> and, and so... Yes, that's it, the thing I'm a little worried about. It's problem. It, you know, I don't think it's overtly powerful, but the you can't beat the mana cost.
0: So in your situation, though, a deck like Belcher, for instance, is playing Pact of Negation, right? And I think if you're playing a combo deck where you are winning on the mm. spot, un- unlike yeah, Pact. unlike Living End, where you're ostensibly winning, but you may not actually have the the
2: KO there. Belcher wants to win as soon as it does its thing, right? So, I don't know. I mean, I think that there's possibilities. It's definitely an interesting design card and feels like it's got a power level that's worth exploring. But the two treasures might be just way too high of a benefit to if, if it was one
0: treasure, I would think this is a, a snap sleeve. Yeah. But the fact that it's two
2: treasures and in modern... That just enables counterspell potentially. I think well, that's kind I think of scary. That, that it makes the same amount of difference in any format. Mm-hmm. Basically, the difference between one mana and two mana of giving you resources is huge. Yeah. So, I mean, importantly, though, Pact Pact
1: is in Historic, but Pact is not in Pioneer, and there are combo decks in Pioneer. So, there's things when when you want a combo to resolve, and you're playing in blue or have access to a blue splash or something like that. Yeah. I can see this being a Pact indication type spell i can also see it being an anti-combo spell potentially and so i think this will see some play in formats that i find myself playing at
2: some point yeah i mean the only thing i would mention here is that there is a little card called swan song oh that's a classic that already exists in a number of these formats and what swan song does is counter target enchantment instant or sorcery and then you give them a creature now (laughs) a two two yeah flying
0: flying yes, it flies rated it. four out of five stars on gatherer
2: oh yeah we love the uh the community ratings on got 95 votes since theros original theros wow. came out in all a slim 10 years ago um i you know if you compare it to a comp like that having less target restriction certainly makes an offer you can't refuse better but you know it's not like swan song sees a lot of play and the what your opponent gets in exchange is much, much worse in Swan Song than it is in An Offer You Can't Refuse. So I think if you look at comps in the formats, it doesn't look good for An Offer You Can't Refuse, but I still think it's an interesting card to consider.
1: All right, anything else that was catching your eye from the more recent set of spoilers? I would love to talk
0: about Strangle.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Single red sorcery. Stranger deals three damage to target creature or planeswalker.
1: When I read this, I thought it said player or planeswalker. And I was like, Oh, it's just, you know, another Lava Spike.
2: Yeah. Unfortunately, that's not the case. I was going to say, that card would be a slam dunk (laughs) because people would just be loading that up for sure.
1: That that would just be potentially replace Skewer or something like that.
2: Well, I don't know about in Modern for sure, but it would certainly make something like a Pioneer Burn deck have one more one mana three damage spell would be sorely appreciated in, in that particular deck. I do think that in Pioneer, this card might be appreciated as well in a way. I think it, exerts a little bit of unfortunate pressure on the Pioneer format that's kind of too bad where I think people were getting kind of friendly with the idea that three toughness creatures mm-hmm. were pretty, that was kind of like the floor. Were a little resilient. Yeah, and yep. like, okay, if you want to outpace red removal, you play three, and that's like how everybody evaluates creatures yeah, in Pioneer. Good point. This change it moves that goalpost, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah. I didn't think about
1: that, but you're right. That's a pretty fundamental shift in mm-hmm. the, the toughness required to survive red removal at one. The
0: thing I can't quite tell is whether or not you can play
1: any copies of this in your main deck in your red spell. Probably not. Because it it doesn't do anything if they're not playing creatures. And against Planeswalkers, it's like, at that point, do you really want this rotting in your hand for like three or four turns? It's like you wait for them to
2: play a Planeswalker down or something like that?
0: And it's likely not even killing that walker. No. Like, it kills Wandering Emperor. Does it kill Shito? Kaito? Kaito.
2: Kaito Shizuki. No I mean you plus it usually. Okay. I don't think that I mean it's not like Strangle's not going to get played in Modern. I don't know if Kaito's going to get played in Pioneer. Mm. So I don't know if these are going to appear in the same zone anyway. But it'll hurt like um I'm so out of i t- I'm a little bit out of touch with Pioneer. Is is Teferi banned in Pioneer? It Teferi 3 is. is. Teferi 3 is. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's what I thought. But there's some of those that I think still make it worth potentially considering this in a main deck now i does this go in a burn deck i don't think so i think it kind of goes in a more mid-rangey red deck where creature removal is more premium to you where maybe you're out of slots from blood Cheese thirst and you and fatal push and you want even more removal yeah
1: yeah yeah like i've been playing a lot of i played uh only rakdos mid-range and pioneer this weekend and i can see an option where depending on the amount of creatures, the toughness of those creatures, like where you could have a couple of these in your sideboard, where like I need to be tagging uh, three toughness creatures that might be out of Fatal Push range or just want more Fatal Push type effects. And I can see that being valuable in the Rakdos midrange style as well. Or like a Jeskai control or Blue-Red control or Arc Light Phoenix, where they... Post-cyborg, you want to shore up your weaker matchups. And so I think it's it's definitely a, a great piece to add to the kit of parts
2: of Historic, uh, Pioneer, things like that. Can we talk about another weird one-mana spell? Grizzly Sigil. Yeah, this is a weird spell. Okay, so this costs a single black. It's a sorcery, and it has Casualty 1. This is the first time we're going to talk about the Casualty mechanic, which I think is primed to be a pretty... Uh, powerful mechanic, one that has a lot of potential. And what this card does is it says, as you cast the spell, you may sacrifice a creature with power one or greater. So that's what the one with casualty is. When you do copy the spell and you may choose a new target for the copy. Then it says, choose target creature or Planeswalker. If it was dealt non-combat damage this turn, grizzly Sig- sigil deals three damage to it and you gain three life. Otherwise grizzly sigil deals one damage to it and you gain one life. Okay. Yeah. This card is weird.
0: It's It's really weird.
2: Really weird. So it's black burn drain, basically, that targets creatures and planeswalkers. So you can use it as a removal spell, essentially. And the thing that's interesting about it, I think, is if you... Look, these kind of effects are not generally constructed playable, but I'm taking a look at it because it's one mana and because you can use this in something if you're generating a lot of tokens where you grizzly sigil the first copy does one damage and you gain one life. And then the second copy does the three damage and one life because you already did damage to the, th- the same creature. Mm-hmm. So for one mana, if you're playing a deck that enables this somehow with things you want to sacrifice, for example, or tokens or things like that, red, black anvil, that kind of stuff. Now that deck has a lot of options for removal already. Mm-hmm. You can do a little bit of creature kill on life gain, which can be helpful. Yeah, cards like this make me a little more interested in Bitter Blossom. Mm-hmm. For Modern, anyway? Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think Oni Cult Anvil is plenty good enough in, in Modern, potentially, as well. Sure. And the Wombo Combo here is either you Lava Dart a couple of things, and then you double hit them with Grizzly, grizzly Sigil so that you are really doing it by getting a two for one off of this essentially or there's combat damage and blocking which doesn't happen that much in modern but can happen in pioneer and then you're cleaning up the board afterwards with grizzly sigil
0: yeah so that's one of the things that actually makes me nervous about a card like this is that either a it forces you to spend two cards to answer one of your opponent's cards right or b you're spending a card to kill a creature that you had to you know attack into and it's not even an instant so you can't use it off blocks. Right. I think it's a little awkward. If it was an instant, I actually think it would be a bit stronger. I think if it was an instant, it might be too good. As a sorcery, I'm I'm a little more reticent. Yeah. And, and the card that actually makes me think of the most is a card from Neon Dynasty. Very different effect, but it's, you are already dead, which is, if a creature is dealt damage, you kill it. Right. And it lets you draw a card. Right. And that's a one mana instant. Right. And sometimes I wonder whether or not You would rather play something like
2: that in the role of this. Maybe. In Constructed. Yeah,
0: which you would never... Since that actually kills a
2: creature and can't cantrip. And you would never play it in Constructed anyway, so maybe maybe it's just not worth talking about in that sense. But I still thought it was interesting, and it gives us an intro to Casualty. Speaking of Casualties, Mm -hmm. let's talk about Unlucky Witness. Uh At Red, Single Red, Creature,
1: Human Citizen, Dive Down Citizen. When Unlucky Witness dies, exile the top two cards of your library until... Your next end step, which would be the end step, you may play one of those cards. So this gets us a light up the stage type effect. It's play, not cast. And I just think this slots right into red, black sack decks that we're seeing thriving and growing and shifting over the past few weeks.
0: One of the other things I really like about this card is that it's templated until your next end step. So you can Chump block, yes, and then get cards off of that, right? That you can actually play next turn,
2: yeah. So, you really want to have it die on your opponent's turn so that you, whatever method you use to kill it, you get to untap, get your mana back, Pot- and go it. potentially. I like
0: Shane's point though, it can be good on either turn because if you're sacking it yourself with your own thing, then you might be able to get the value immediately, or you can get the value after you've drawn a card and you've essentially drawn three cards for the turn
1: yeah i mean like in these experimental synthesizer decks these Oni cult anvil decks there's there's already a good amount of ways to be seeing a lot of cards out of your deck and getting spell selection and getting card advantage and i think that this just makes total sense in those style of decks we've seen how annoying a card like stitcher supplier can be where like you said stan you it 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 makes chump blocking, it makes attacking into it kind of annoying, where you're like, do I really want to enable their strategy by letting them block with this card? And do I want them to start filling their graveyard with stuff they might be able to cast back? And I think this does something similar, where you might be able to get some chip damage in because they don't want to block it. You might be able to stymie their attacks early on because they don't want to get that kind of card advantage. So I think that this will be seeing some play probably more in like the pioneer and historic end of things because the, I mean, the recto sac deck is still kind of a thing in modern. I'm curious to see how it continues to develop, but the loss of Lurus really did hurt that deck.
2: Yeah. I will say when I first read this card, I didn't realize that it said you may play one of those cards. mm which mm-hmm. i think makes it significantly less good 50% worse yeah maybe more so but it so i think it pu- makes it a little bit harder to determine if you want this to be one of your sacrifice targets in those decks or not maybe maybe not i, th- I think it's tough to say at this point cuz you know for example synthesizer draws you two cards
1: no it says uh, yeah it does draw you two cards over the course of its you know existence like so like when it etbs you exile and can and may play it and then when it leaves you can do the same thing right. so yeah. I mean, I don't think this is like uh, a lights out, amazing card. I do think that's just like anything that's won and gets you card advantage and it's a creature. Yeah. It's not just a random little artifact. Like this
2: has a lot of little incidental value. I totally agree. Just a little less powerful than I thought when I first read it. So make sure you keep that in mind when you're thinking about it. Stan, anything you're thinking about? Stan, let's have a little chat about a little chat.
1: Oh, Okay. You wrote about this card, Stanislav, didn't you? Well, it was one of the only cards I was given to write about. Yeah, so what did you, what did you say in your Polygon article, and how can we tell you how wrong you were? I I, said, I put down the gauntlet. I
2: immediately said this is the best blue card in the set. Oh, perfect. Can we say what it does first? Nah. A, a little chat. A single generic and a blue for an instant that has casualty one. Look at the top two cards of your library. Put one into your hand and the other on the bottom of your library. So if you can sacrifice a one power creature to this, you get uh, C2 draw two, or C4 draw two, basically. Yeah. Kinda. Pretty good. Yeah. The
0: weird thing about all these casualty cards is that they're going to be in Grixis colors because casualty is a maestro mechanic. Mm-hmm. And we have so we have these red-black sack decks, but do we have any... Decks in blue that have sack fodder. And that is, I think, what's going to determine the playability of something like this in any format is whether or not you have like dinky blue things or or, or dinky things in any color but access to blue that actually makes you want to sack something
1: away. Be prepared for a litany of young pyromancer-based decks that people are going to be brewing up where it's like, can I I cast something to make casualty fodder, et cetera, et cetera. And... I mean, if those dreams are real, I'm I'm there.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that seems like a lot of fun to me. I mean, I, I do agree that there's going to be a lot of people trying to make Young Pyromancer work again, and maybe maybe it will. Or Seasoned Pyromancer. Old Pyromancer. Seasoned. Yeah, seasoned maybe. <laughs> Let me tell you, speaking of Seasoned Pyromancer, I played a good amount against people who were playing a Seasoned Pyromancer this weekend, and Spyro so, is back. That is a good card yeah. again. He's been... In the gym,
0: day in and day out, <laughs> never skips leg day, definitely never skips ab day.
2: As we can tell. <laughs> Any other two drops y'all are interested in or
0: you're hovering over gallag readers on your computer, Dave, and looking at me and mentioning two drops and <laughs> I feel like you're inviting me to talk about why why this elf might be good. I mean, if you think it's good, I'd love to hear what you think. He, it's an elf. Here's the interaction with this card that I think is interesting. Okay, well, let's read Shall the card I read first? it first? Please. It's one and a green for a 1-1 elf druid, and it has alliance.
1: So, it's the first time we're talking about alliance. What does alliance do? Whenever
0: another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you get an effect. And the effect
1: is going to be different on each alliance creature. Ah, okay. So, it's just basically... Just, a, just a, a different creature ETB. It's a triggered ability on, create, on that creature. Correct,
0: yeah. And in the case of Galag you can choose one of three things that hasn't been chosen this turn. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. one is put a 1-1 counter on Galag Two is create a tapped treasure token, so yeah.
2: delayed land. And three is gain two life. Yeah. The big thing about this card is that a lot of times when they've done mechanics like this before, it might have said non-token creature.
0: Yes. And this
2: one does not say non-token no, creature. No, it does not. Yeah. Raise we, the alarm, babies. We have Well, we have War,
0: Le- War Master, yeah. which is making tons of elves, sometimes even on your opponent's turn, if you have a Coco or if you're able to God, activate Imperius Perfect. So good. Right? This plus Dwinin's Elite lets you get two of those Alliance triggers, because... You get the Duenan's elite and the token, so yeah, I, I, I think maybe this is something that Elves decks can play with I, I guess as a as a value engine in particular. Maybe out of the sideboard to deal with like burn decks because you want to gain a little bit of life, and eventually it turns into like a big threat if it's not removed on the spot.
1: Yeah, I guess my real question is is like, are these triggered effects that great? Right, like gaining to life, I feel like is the real. Like secret sauce here. Like, if you are up against an aggressive deck or a burn deck, then you probably want to. If you gain four, six, eight life 10, out of this, like, well, 17? I mean, that's times two. Can you get seventeen on this? No, um, uh, you can get sixteen or eighteen. But the real problem is, is like this would have to remain on the board for a length of time to allow you to do that. So, because you can't choose the same mode twice. So, even if you made Three creatures, you can't choose gain two life three times. So, in that, it is a lightning rod in mm-hmm. that sense. But do you want to play a two mana, one life
2: lightning rod? I think it's all about the treasure tokens, honestly. It's just ramp. <laughs> They're tapped. I, I mean, they are tapped. But, I mean, it just preps you to be able to play more cards on future turns like i think the order many people are going to do here is treasure gain life put a counter on it if they get three triggers off in a turn but the nice thing is you get to change it right it depends on the matchup the board state where you are in a game
0: and whether you even decide to put this in your seventy-five.
1: And clearly they think this card has chops because they made like a dozen different arts in different languages. There'll be
2: like box toppers. So they made, yeah, it's the promo and they made them different by region, which I think is just cool and fun. This art, I mean, look, I think this art is fun. I don't know about each individual inspiration for each individual region's piece of art. Yeah. Uh but p- more props to the Wizards uh you know, art department for being able to kinda nail down something, a fun way to celebrate something different about this set. I like the German ones the best. They have this fun like cabaret style going on. They're on a microphone and stuff. Gala begruber. A grocer Yeah, that's a that's that's, an, that's an S set. Two S's? Yeah, two S's. I thought they I thought they, they got that out of the way. So language. did I, but we don't know much about yeah,
1: German. We, we don't know much about German.
2: Alright, so the two that stand out to me that are still in the two CMC zone that we can talk about or not, It's but it's more casualty cards. I keep looking at the cards that have casualty and going, how good is this? Could this be good? Is it good? Make Disappear, mm-hmm. the instant that's a generic and a blue that has casualty one and says counter target spell unless its controller pays two, is interesting to me. You know, it goes from being smaller than a mana leak to being... Bigger than a mana leak? To being a mana beak? Being a mana beak. But the other thing is, it, you, it, they're two separate instances. So it's kind of like Flusterstorm in that way to be like, oh, uh, you can't force of negation, both of them. Right. With a, single, with a single spell, which I think is interesting. And then Rob the Archives, which is a sorcery that's a generic and a red casualty one that says, exile the top two cards of your library. You may play those cards this turn. This turn. You can pop this off and get four cards if you sacrifice a token for it. Young Pyromancer. (laughs) Right? I mean, of course, it's much worse that it's this turn, but if you have the mana going... So let's talk about Rob the Arc
0: first. I want to react to that first. The fact that it costs two mana, I actually think is pretty mana intensive. Yes. Mm -hmm. That there's some tension with the casualty effect there because since you only have until the end of the turn to... Use those cards that you revealed, you are potentially getting into territory where
2: you're looking at four and just drawing/slash casting one.
0: But that's fine. Yeah, that's
2: fine. But is it better than having an extra body on the board? I mean, if you have Young Pyromancer, right. it's fine because you cast this and it just makes another to- You cast this sack of token and it makes another token. Right. You know, not that I'm saying, like, Young Pyromancer, you are not going to beguile me again with your goggles. <laughs> but um like, you know, it instantly replaces itself.
0: Yeah, no, that's fair.
2: You know, there's other cards that make
0: tokens. There's the Witch, the three-mana witch,
2: Sedgemore oh, Witch. Segmore
0: Witch. Isn't there that blue one from Guilds of Ravnica that makes the f- bird
2: token? Yeah, that one costs f- f- 5 though. That's pretty expensive. Oh. The Witch is a little bit more. The Witch has seen play in places like I think Legacy, it seemed it played because of the ward ability and stuff.
0: There's a minute where it was seeing play in red,
2: black, mid-range, and modern. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's our old favorite that everybody loves to talk about. There's Monastery Mentor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you want to think about a card that has never been good enough, uh, probably still isn't, but there's Token Makers. But I don't know. These cards each seem somewhat powerful and interesting. I don't know if they're there for modern, but maybe... Uh, maybe somewhere else now. Young pyromancer is not legal in Pioneer, right? I think you're right, but it is or legal is it? in. I think it was in M14. Yeah, 14. so it's not in. It's not in Pioneer, but it is in Historic. Yes, I think Historic yes. is about different stuff.
1: It's definitely in Historic. Man, I can't believe the last. I, I have not seen a young young pyromancer in on Arena in so long. Yeah, probably for the best. Shall we talk about the last charm we got? Just to just to Do finish. we have to? I mean, we'll just finish we'll we'll acknowledge that it exists. Go ahead. It's broker's charm, it's the bant charm. It's an instant. You can choose one of the following three modes. Target creature you control gets plus one plus zero until end of turn. It then deals damage equals to its power to target creature or planeswalker and opponent control, so you get the one sided fight effect. Clear shot. Clear shot effect. You can dis- destroy target enchantment, or you can draw two cards so uh weirdly while esper charm back in the day uh had had drawing two cards now the bant charm gets it i mean so does archmage's charm also has draw two cards yeah drawing two cards it doesn't matter where you're at as long as you're not in black or red you get it (laughs) uh destroying target enchantment i mean basically this is not super powerful for the the cost Maybe for drawing two cards, it's fine, but I don't think it's going to see a lot of play.
0: Quick update from my editors: My boss just is in my ear. Young Permancer is Pioneer legal.
2: Oh, okay. Thanks M- for checking.
0: M fourteen
1: is Pioneer legal.
2: Okay, man, we're really bad at
1: knowing what's in Pioneer.
2: Hey, it's right on the edge. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for checking. Thanks to producer, um, producer, yeah. Stanislav's phone. Yeah. I think this charm is bad. Am I crazy it's for thinking charm. this is bad? I mean, I saw one person, a couple people say, well, you can cast it off of Omnath. I'm like, that's great. Yeah, great. You can cast a lot of better things off Omnath. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't think this card comes close to being what you want to do in in Constructed. There's another three mana... Then let's never speak of it again. Yeah, Broker's Charm, (laughs) Forgotten.
1: Uh, There is another one, a spell I do want to talk about, a three mana spell. And only because I think the effect is really neat, or rather the mechanic that's on it is really neat, and I think there's implications there. It's Disciplined Duelist. Mm-hmm. It is a three-mana Bant spell. Creature, Human Citizen. Dive Citizen. That's a 2-1 with Double Strike. Disciplined Duelist ETBs with a shield counter on it. What's a shield counter? Essentially, if it would be dealt damage or destroyed, you can remove a shield counter from it instead. So we get... What's that Hearthstone mechanic called? Like Holy Shield or some divine shield? That's a total regeneration effect.
2: Oh, okay. Right. This is just fixed regeneration. It's a divine shield effect. Yeah. So. Uh, it's literally Hearthstone divine shield, though. Like, yes. The same way it works. The fact, you know, when you hit them, it goes, that kind of thing. Sorry, what is Hearthstone? Um, oh, good point. Yeah. The reason it's not regeneration, though, is because if it's dealt damage, it also loses it. Even if it's non-lethal damage. Yeah. No.
0: I, I mean, it's not exactly regeneration. It's just we've seen regeneration go away. Yeah.
1: And maybe this is a space where they play with its re- return. But what's cool about this is it's not just a like fixed regeneration. Like the the this having double strike and having the shield is like is a two great two great tastes potentially taste great together yeah right? because like you come in once but let's say you suit this up with something you come in once uh even if it would get lethal damage or something like that then it could survive that encounter and if it kills the opposing creature then it comes in again off the double strike so i mean it, Effectively, that would be a weird interaction because having first strike would often do the same thing. So it would have to be a particularly niche type uh, experience. But I think that there's something there. There's a reason they designed it with the double strike and the shield counter. I don't think this card is like bonkers or potentially even very playable. But I think it's a, an interesting space that
2: now exists to design in. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing that's the most interesting about this to me is that it's a human. Mm-hmm. And that it's a Coco hit mm-hmm. now. Or a Winota hit. Yeah, or a Winota hit too. Yeah. I think Coco is maybe closer because it's three than Winota, personally. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I think that the, the way it's designed is pretty cool, though. You're right, Shane. Can we talk about a weird card? Please. Just for a minute. Devilish Valet. Two generic and a red for a 1-3. Trample, haste that has alliance whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, double devilish valet's power until end of turn.
0: Uh, so any other creature, if you storm off with a young pyromancer on the board. Right. Or or <laughs> seasoned pyromancer, you get three creatures.
2: I mean, it's just like, so Both if it's dr- two... Dragon fodder? Four, eight, 16, 32... I mean, it's a little bit... It reminds me of that pummeler card. Yeah. Remember that L- pulteic L- L- pummeler or whatever? Which is, like, cool. I mean, it's a cool card. I, this is, like, a total against the odds card. Yeah. I mean, would you ever be like, I have devilish valet and ornithopters and memnites, and I'm just, like, dropping stuff. Oh, my God. What about this plus uh thopter
0: sword? Sure.
2: <laughs> You're Where, doing stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, because it has trample, like, this is just another way to instant kill a person. If
2: you have the Thopter combo going. Just go, 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 and it just gets gigantic. I mean, I I don't know if it's going to see play in any of those shells, but I do feel like what you just... Where I was like, hey, here's a freeish way to do it, and you're like, no, here's a really free way to do it.
0: This Urza
2: and Thopter Sword
0: is game. Is Urza plus Thopter Sword just game, too? Because Urza plus Thopter combo is infinite mana. Yeah. Yeah. But then you need a way to win with
2: infinite mana. That's the thing.
0: Oh, you just... You pay for earth's ability and
2: draw your whole deck that's that's how you do it right here
0: and eventually you draw your devilish valet
2: and then you kill them and then you kill them we did it yeah but anyway this is a total against the odds card that i think people are going to be into so seth can't wait to see what you do with this card <laughs> at some point in seth, the future we know you're listening we know you listen every week seth we're talking about ween right now <laughs> <laughs> all right by the way Early in the episode,
0: we mentioned that the Fort Worth Art Fest is happening outside. There's a, there's a chance that maybe you hear a little bit of background music because we're recording in our hotel and there's people playing music behind us. Maybe you don't hear it. And if that's the case, we'll just cut this out. Right. But if you do hear it, then we're going to keep this in.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine what we're going to discover on this recording from us being four feet from
2: one another. So I hope you're, hope you're dealing with our audio. This is why we're trying to not over-talk each other this time. We're going to discover that it's totally fine. Okay, what's next on everybody's minds? A card I want to talk about is Mage's
1: Attendant. It's two and a white for a Cat Rogue 3-2. When it ETBs, you create a 1-1 blue Wizard Creature token with one generic mana, Sacrifices Creature, and if you do, you can counter target non-creature spell unless its opponent pays one. So this gets you vaguely, it gets you two bodies for three mana, gets you sacrifice fodder and also gets you a sort of mausoleum wanderer type effect. It's not quite as good as mausoleum wanderer because that scales to the power of the wanderer. Uh, but it, it is an interesting, it's an interesting ability to get two bodies. It gets you four power and, and it gets you some way to interact with your opponent's spells, maybe take them off their tempo or their game plan. So I don't think this is, a, this is like slotting into any decks that I'm thinking of right now, but I think that this has some play in lower-powered formats, potentially. Or it could just be an awesome limited card, either or. But I don't think I've seen anything like this in white, especially like a white card coming in and making a blue token that can then do like a mana tithe type thing. Yeah,
0: this seems interesting to me too, Shane, with something like Soul Herder, Charming Prince, Ephemerate, being able to make a bunch a of bunch those of tokens. Yeah, just make a bunch of those
1: those wizards in your white <laughs> blinky deck. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's something. It is something. I just wanted to point it out. I thought it was uh it was an interesting card. The art style is really wild it's like really naturalist but then like a a cat rogue with like a saber behind her head so it's
2: it's a wild one now you're an art critic yeah (laughs) well we are at the arts festival wow mona lisa smiling over here exactly all right how about evolving door which is an artifact rare two generic and a green it has an activated ability that is one generic tap sacrifice a creature count the Colors of the sacrifice creature. Then search your library for a creature card that's exactly that many colors plus one. Okay. Exile okay. that card. Then shuffle. You may cast the exile card. Activate only as a sorcery. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. So when I started reading this card, <laughs> yes. I thought that I, this was a different thing because people have been talking about this on Twitter, <laughs> yeah. and and they were like oh, this is really cool, blah, 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 blah. But then at the end, it says, you may cast the card. And I was expecting it to say, right. put it into play. Yes. That's kind of an important thing for cards like this, typically. I I don't know how you could make this that fun or fast, unless it doesn't cheat something into play. So I would say, at us at the, the Dive Down on Twitter, if we're not understanding the hype around this.
0: Yeah, my initial impression is also pretty... Bearish. I think it's overcorrected. Yeah. It's it's an overcorrected pod ultimately. We've got a lot of those floating around. And, and really the question is whether or not an overcorrected pod is still good enough. Right. And we've seen that not make the cut on that old card from
2: oh, you're talking about Vanifar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vanifar. Yeah. Like Vanifar ultimately didn't make the cut. I mean, I do have a five oh with Vanifar. I'm just saying Pyro Heroes didn't make the cut. A little more surprised that one didn't do it, too. This one, to me, is like, whoa, no.
0: All right, as long as we're talking about three mana spells, I think we should talk about one of the new Planeswalkers. It's Obnixilus, the adversary. One black, red, for a three loyalty walker. It sort of has a static ability. It's Casualty X. The copy isn't legendary and has starting loyalty X. So if you
1: sack a creature... If you sacrifice like a three power creature, you get another Omnix list with another three loyalty. C- or, correct. And then four
2: power, four loyalty, etc. Or one power, one loyalty. Why but, not? Yeah, that's also true. It's still a free planes it's free planeswalker. It's free planeswalkers. Plus
0: one, each opponent loses two life unless they discard a card. If you control a demon or devil, you gain two life. Minus two, create a 1-1 one, one red devil creature token with when this creature dies, it deals one damage to any target. And minus seven, target player draws seven cards, loses seven life. So I think the sequencing here is you make a copy with one of the walkers, you make the devil. With the other walker, you plus do the gain and drain and then you party. And then you try to gain and drain with both walkers forever
2: more. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it works out. I think there are plenty of instances where you just make two Obnixiluses and just plus them both and don't care about the life gain. Yeah, right. So maybe, y- yeah. you can get pretty aggressive if you're yeah. like, I paid three mana for this thing where I'm just going to, until you deal with two different permanents, I'm going to deal four damage to you every turn is for no mana. Yeah. And no attacking is pretty interesting. It is. And then people are going to do wild stuff to try to be able to do that ultimate as fast as possible, for sure, but you know, yeah. I don't know if that'll be worth it. but Yeah, my, my hesitance here
1: is that you're giving your opponent the choice, but maybe, like, so you, if you look at it from a I want my opponent to discard end of things, I don't think people are going to do that very often. I think that a card is often worth two life unless you've been right. pressuring them. Yeah. yeah. So I think that, like, let's say in Rakdos Midrange, which, again, I was playing this week, and then Pioneer, I look at this and I'm like, this isn't doing enough for my mana because like two life, I'm not killing them until like turn 10 or something like that typically. And so they're not going to be trying to shred their hand, but I like where you're coming from where it's like, if I'm in an aggressive deck and I can sacrifice one of my tiny or small size creatures that I've been flooding the board with or trying to be aggressive with, then getting a card or two cards or four life out of them can be pretty significant. Yeah. Dave, I hadn't
0: considered one of the things that you're talking about that's got my juices flowing a little bit, which is the type of shenanigans you can do to make that X casualty as high as possible. You know, can you do through the breach, Emrakul, swing with emerkel, sack her to this? <laughs> you know what
2: I'm saying? Yeah. That's pretty funny. Sack her to this, draw seven cards. I think you absolutely will try to do stuff like that. I also think people might try this with like Monastery Swift Sphere. If you're like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna cast some spells and then I have some mana left over, and then I'm gonna drop Obnixilus and have two planeswalkers, one's four mana and one's five, or one's four loyalty and one's five loyalty, because I sacrificed a giant monsters. I mean, I, I don't know, but I do think there's a lot of different ways to make this casualty mechanic do something for this card. And then, you know, if you're in a medium aggressive deck, where they, I mean, here, here's the thing. Do you remember that card? What was that card that you could discard cards or your opponent would, or you could take damage or your opponent would draw cards. Do you remember that from guilds of Ravnica that has flash bad, um, that people were trying in burn decks for a while in modern? Oh, yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, And so that, oh, the three mana one, the three mana one, that's like, you can yeah. cast it twice pretty cheaply. And yeah, it was never good enough. It was never quite good enough. Giving people choices is bad. Giving people choices is bad. But this doesn't cost you any mana to give people choices and and their threats when you do it over and over again for no mana. And so, yes, this is a Punisher mechanic, but I think it's a lot better than that type of Punisher mechanic, whatever that card is. And you know what? I still ran into that card in Pioneer every once in a while. Same. It would drive me crazy. I did just remember another
0: token maker, which is the three-mana Chandra that's got the zero ability to make an elemental token that you sacrifice at the end Doesn't of the Doesn't
2: it turn. make two? I think it does. Yeah, yeah. it makes two elemental tokens. Uh, so yeah, that can be really good too, just yeah. for fun. Uh, the only problem I have with this is that uh, Obnixilus has some real Zoot Suit Riot energy going oh, on yeah. in one of these tarts with arts. A heavy, real cherry hev- popping daddy. Yeah, you knew it. He's third wave, of Ska, obviously. <laughs> Maybe fourth. Another card that some of these casualty spoilers
0: have gotten me thinking about is Claim the Firstborn. Oh, uh, that card. As another way to enable sac decks to make threaten
1: spells as good as possible. You remember when people were really upset about Claim the Firstborn, including me, where it's just like, yeah. oh God, this card's everywhere. I got Claim the Firstborn on Arena like two nights ago when I was playing Historic, and I was like, oh man, I did not miss that. Yeah. Scrap Heap Scrounger blood soak champion yeah i think, Ooh, I, blood think soak champion. I
0: think there's something here for sack decks in general yep. that are, might be
2: getting like some nice upgrades i think it's a lot of things for sack decks and this set is just yeah. depending on what type it is is it the turbo sack make a lot of little things like cat food token thing or is it something more along the lines of what you're talking about which is creatures with decent power returning from the graveyard but a little bit bigger than the uh, oni Cult kind of thing
1: yeah all right, another three-drop I want to briefly ask you all about is on Scryfall, it's translated as Professional Facebreaker. It's <laughs> yeah. two in a red for a human warrior, two, three with menace. Whenever one or more creatures you control deals combat damage to a player, make a treasure token. Man, they really love putting treasure tokens everywhere these days. If you sacrifice a treasure, well, you can sacrifice a treasure too. exile a top card of your library
2: and you may play that card this turn. Uh, that's what that card is actually called. That's not the scribe, Scryfall, because <laughs> there's an English version on Scryfall as well. It's called Professional Facebreaker. Awesome. I love it. Card's cool. I don't know where it lives. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing.
1: There's a lot of treasure tokens out there these days. In this economy, you, you're you making treasure. And using the treasure, rather than if you have the mana, being able to play cards from the t- from your library seems pretty good. Because... When that is the case, when you want to get fuel, you likely have enough access to mana where the treasure tokens can be superfluous. So then you're able to say, okay, well, I don't need the mana. I do need the cards to <clears throat> use my lands. And so, again, this is not some breaking open the modern format type card. But I think it's a, an interesting card that has the ability to, to do
2: something. Yeah, I mean, the Menace actually helps out a lot on this card. Because even though it's got a kind of not great body for three mana, the Menace makes it so that it has some evasion and you can get tricky and try to get damage in with it and play a pretty aggressive game with it on its own still. And it makes tokens on its own when you attack, into it, attack with it. So if you can maintain that like lopsided creature matchup mm-hmm. and get it through, you get a treasure off of this on its own. So it does... Do all of the things that you want it to do by itself, which is kind of nice as well. Yeah, self contained engine. But I yeah. think this is more pioneer ish to me than it is modern ish oh, for, for sure. what it's worth. As
0: we're sort of approaching the end of cards that we wanted to talk about in this episode, I want to jump all the way ahead to the six mana slots mm. on the topic of self contained engines and overcorrected birthing pods. It's Vivian of the hunt. Mm-hmm. on, the, on the, hunt. the
2: hunt. Not of the hunt. She's on the hunt.
0: Vivian is hunting for things. Yeah. For green green, for a four loyalty walker, plus two, you may sack a creature. If you do, search your library for a creature with mana value equal to one plus the sacked creature's mana value, put on the battlefield shuffle, plus one, mill five cards, put any number of creature cards milled this way into your hand. That's pretty good. That's really good. And then finally, minus one, create a 4-4 green rhino warrior creature token. No ultimate here, but you make a rhino, a 4-4, that's probably going to do a pretty good job of protecting Vivian. And then on the very next turn, you can start a slow chain of you sack the rhino, get a one drop. Eventually, you can sack the one drop, get a two drop, blah, 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 blah. That doesn't seem like the best line of play, perhaps,
2: but... The plus one to, like, maybe draw five cards. Yeah. Seems really interesting. This card is really expensive, though. Yeah. Six mana. Who cares, though? I mean, yeah. What is mana? You know, I think it depends (laughs) on what kind of deck you're playing. Because if you are doing something that's rampy, you know, and then you have mana birds that you can sacrifice to her plus when you're done with it, you can start a chain that way that goes from one to two. And then, you know, the thing that keeps this from being abused is that there aren't a lot of ways to have a Planeswalker activate more than once in a turn. And so you can't do the, like, vanafar. speaking of vanafar and Birthing Pod, you can't do the Vanifar thing where it was like, okay, I'm going to sacrifice a one drop, and then I'm going to go get Corridor Monitor, and then I'm going to untap vanafar and then I'm going to use that to go get a three drop that untaps, and then you work away up the chain. There's, I don't know what the infinite combo might be here, or the the kill combo might be, but the abilities of this planeswalker are really powerful. It's been a while since we've seen a 6 mana planeswalker get too much play in modern in particular, but there could be something going on here. It doesn't I, have to be modern. Yeah, it could be a powerhouse in standard for what it's worth, I yeah. think this one, but um it's really good. Speaking of potential powerhouse
1: planeswalkers in standard and <laughs> maybe a little bit more uh just briefly, want to touch on Elspeth Resplendent mostly
2: because yeah. I want to talk about how fabulous the art is for these. I
1: think yeah, I think are, it's fun. These are really good. Like, yeah, it's like a flapper Elspeth sort there's, of.
2: Yeah, there is like a flapper one, and then there is like a Queen of Industry kind of like thirties deco one, and it, it's good. I mean, yeah, these are great.
1: Uh, the Elspeth is three white, white five loyalty. You can, it's, it's, she reminds me a little bit of like Elspeth's Knight Errant in that she's creature based and those abilities are, the plus is choose up to one target creature. You can put a one, one counter and a counter and a counter from among flying first strike lifelink and vigil or vigilance on it. The minus is a minus three. Look at the top seven cards of your library. You may put a. you may put a permanent card with mana value three or less from among them onto the battlefield with a shield counter on it and you put the cards in the bottom of your library in random order. Then the minus seven, which you get to in two turns, or I guess three, you create five three three white angel creature tokens with flying. So this is sort of in a tough spot where it's not going to go in an aggressive white deck mm-hmm. because the CMC the mana value excuse me is so high. But if you have a mid range deck that is in white, like Selesnia or something like that, and this is your top end, this is going to close the game out. Like you're blocking with it, you're minus you're plusing it on when you can, you're minusing it to get cards out of your uh library. If you can ultimate it, it's gonna close the game really quickly. It
2: is five mana. Yeah. That's how you can play it in Pioneer. Yeah. Or maybe standard. Let me tell you how you can play it in modern. Please uh Heliod combo can she can search up either Spike Feeder or Heliod mm-hmm. with her minus. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to play a value game, you can do the pluses. You can add a counter to get some stuff started with her Adding with a counter her plus is good. one, yeah. which is good too. But the big thing here is it's something that adds counters and also lets you dig seven cards for either of your combo pieces if you're in a in a spot. Yeah. Will it will it go in those decks? No, nope. yeah, Probably not. But I think it's a
1: it's a cool Elspeth design. I like going back to the, you know, Elspeth has never, she's always made creatures or sort of been creature interactive in a lot of ways. But I like this self-contained engine type model. Uh, and uh, she looks great. So welcome back, Elspeth. Cut your losses. Should we cut our losses right here? The uh, mm. four, four blue blue casualty two target player mills half their library rounded down. I feel like this is one of those ones that like half sounds like a a ton, but when you're casting
2: it for six mana, it doesn't even matter. Yeah. This card is, I mean, and also to really make it go to get 75% of someone's deck away, you have to have a creature and mill doesn't have creatures. It has crabs. crabs. Right. But it doesn't have power. Nope. It has toughness. Yep. So casualties
1: power. It's an impressive sounding text line, but I think it's probably not worth thinking about. Do you guys want to get out of here? And talk about Dallas.
2: Yep. Yeah. There's going to be more cards to talk about from New Penna. Of course, two mechanics that we did not touch on while we were here that we don't have to talk about right now. One is um, hideaway is yeah. in the set. Again, look out for broken hideaway things that can happen. We'll, we'll see. We'll take a look. We'll be on. I don't think there is one yet, but we'll look. And then the other one is blitz, which is also a cool mechanic that lets you do a lot of kind of different aggressive things, but we will look for better and more interesting cards for that in the coming releases yeah all
0: right let's take a really quick break and then when we return we'll recap some of the fun memories we made here in SCGCon Dallas technically we are in Fort Worth I haven't stepped foot in Dallas city limits but you know what I don't mind because I love it here stay with us back. I just had a delicious oats and granola
1: bar. I didn't think you were going to eat the whole thing. Courtesy of Shane, if it wasn't that big, <laughs> what did
0: you think I was going to do? Well, we're
1: going out to dinner after this. I thought you just needed a little pick-me-up.
0: Eating that bar is going to let me eat more food at dinner. That's a good I, point. I'm getting warmed up. So, let's talk about SEG Dallas. Yeah. We did one of my absolute favorite things, which is we brought our microphones to the tournament floor. Although... We didn't interview any other attendees as we did during the Vegas episode. We did get a chance to sit down, you and I, Shane. Yes. And chat a little bit about what we saw and experienced on Friday mm-hmm. and what we were getting prepared to do on Saturday. Today. Today. Well, we don't know when the listeners will be listening.
1: That's a good point.
0: So let's just take a break to check in with our past selves. See what our bright-eyed, optimistic versions were thinking about on Saturday morning, and then we're going to come back. And Dave will join us, and we'll recap the uh, basically the whole weekend. Yeah. So. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Stanislav. Shane, we're, we out here. We're technically in Fort Worth. All yeah. the Dallas signage is really starting to tick me off.
1: <laughs> Dallas is like 40 miles away. You know, it's the it's the broader metropolitan area. Yeah, but when I, I did, it was a thirty-five minute cab ride from the airport to here, so I felt a little bit duped. Did you? Yeah. We arrived yesterday. It is currently Saturday morning. It is about nine twenty-five a.m. Yes. We've lost David. Well, we haven't. Lo- we, we, I mean, we haven't lost him. We know where he is. He's just not with us. Allegedly, he's playing
0: in the nine o'clock main event.
1: No. It's, a modern, it's just a side event modern challenge.
0: Apparently, he's playing in the 9 a.m. modern challenge. <laughs> yeah. Good to know.
1: So, yeah, he's doing the side event. We're waiting until the 10 a.m. Pioneer. That's right. Side we're, event. We're, we're, we're the Pioneer boys now. This will be my first time playing Paper Pioneer
0: against other people since... Ever. Maybe January, February of 2020. Maybe, yeah. if not before.
1: So... Let's first talk about uh, our day yesterday, not the travel, although that was smooth and enjoyable. So, uh, the hall, I, got, I was here before the hall opened, because I got in at like about 11.30, and doors were open at noon. And when we got here... It was here, chaos. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't really chaos. Pandemone. Um, it was... There was uh, they made the interesting decision to start some events right at 12.30, uh, and so that was, that was tight. It was surprising. It, it sounds like a lot until you're on the floor. Everything yeah. sounds like a lot of time until you're here. And then it sounds like not enough time. Right. And then unless you're waiting between rounds in which it's just the eternity that just passes. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. The way time works that way. Yeah. Time is very uh, relative. So the, I played because Dave and Stanislaw were not here yet. So I played... I decided to get my Yayas out and get a Flesh and Blood uh, side event in at 12.30. What did you play? Uh, I played Chain. That's your deck? That's just the deck. Um, I feel... Here's the problem. Everyone else who is into Flesh and Blood plays it more than I do, and they're getting much better than
0: I am. The game, not Chain specifically. Yeah,
1: they're getting better at the game. So yeah. like, I think I think the average player, even in the past three to four months since I've been playing, is... Better is getting better than I am getting better,
0: and I wonder if part of that's because there's no real online client that allows you to practice. Yeah, so it really benefits the people who have the time and resources to get out to their shops to play fab in yeah. person as often as possible.
1: I think a lot of people they do, they do play on tabletop simulator, which is effectively spons. It's not sponsored, but it's a, it's effectively a OK with Legend Story Studios app. There's the tabletop simulator event and people, module rather, and people will play online armories and events either by by webcam or sometimes even through TTS. And so I think a lot of people who are more dedicated are doing a lot of those webcam events, Mm -hmm. doing a lot of those TTS events, which makes you appreciate somehow magic, the gathering online because of the fact that you have built-in stakes, a built-in client that is cheat-proof, error-proof, well... Uh, Error-proof Beyond Bugs. Sure.
0: So, Tabletop Simulator, as I understand it, it's not a rules engine. It's just a canvas. It's just a
1: canvas, yeah.
0: And it's interesting to hear you say that they... that the publisher essentially condones use of TTS because people who play on TTS, they just have every card.
1: Essentially, yeah. So, you're like you can't... you can't really win anything through playing with fake cards, effectively. So... Anyway, long story short, no one wants to hear about Flesh and Blood first thing on this podcast. But I did a side event. Didn't do great, but the caliber of players I played against felt pretty good. I went one and two. Did and you learn? That's the important thing. Gotta Isn't take it? something away. I did learn. Okay, good. Because I played, it's just like in Magic, where you, you play against a matchup that you haven't played a lot against. And you're just like, I think I know what this does. I think I have an idea of how this matchup plays out. But I didn't really. And so I walked away from that game having a greater understanding of that matchup.
0: That's important. How do you feel about all the, I I, I know you just said we're not gonna talk about FAB, but I have more FAB questions, please. How do you feel about all the, oh, wait a second,
1: standard challenge. Is that us? Uh, No, I will say, so, the main event here, before, before we do our fab digression. Thank you. So, the, the main event here today already has over 900 of the 1,000, there's a 1,000 cap. I saw 908 as of this morning when I was uh, doom scrolling on my phone in the hotel room. And so, I think that's going to fill up. Yeah. And thankfully, we decided not to play it, like we said on last episode, because we want to have a little bit more flexibility in our schedules. I just want to stretch my legs. Yeah, it's nice to get up.
0: Our hotel is so, so, so close. that That's so close. We'll probably talk about this some more in a minute, but I was able to actually go to our room between rounds of a side event that I did yesterday. Yeah, twice. Yeah. He like, you took a nap. I basically did. But here's my last fab question. Yeah. How do you feel about the naming conventions of their tournament structure? And doesn't it feel a little too inside? The culling, the armory... The Saskatchewan.
1: Yeah, I'm... Yeah, it's funny. Uh, it's... Yeah, you're right. It's not transparent to new people. Yeah. But once you know it, you know it. So it's kind of like... But they, yeah, there's no equivalent to magic. Like, there's no special FM, There's no special, like, style of game night. I think it's basically... They, just, they basically gave a name to going to your LGS on a weeknight. It's just yes. an armory
0: event. It sort of forces you to look at an infographic that explains... How, what are the names of these things, why they're named a certain way, and where they exist on an organized play ladder system or pyramid system. Or
1: scheme. Scheme, if you will. Yes. Um, so anyway, I did that, and then you all showed up when I was playing that, so that was great. Got to see you all. And what well, you, you and Dave had an important lunch.
0: We had a really good business lunch. We talked about some business things. Yeah. But... We ate fairly quickly because we wanted to play in a 4 p.m. modern challenge. Yeah, we all did that. And now modern challenges at C they're not like the weekend morning events that happen on Moto. No. This is what they just call the side events here. It's yeah. three
1: rounds. You get tickets based on how many rounds of those three you win. And so, of course, you want to win as many as possible so that you can get your Chuck E. Cheese yeah. tickets to go cash it on the prize wall, right or cash into people who are buying
0: prize ball ticks which is a cottage industry oh, yeah. at these events Th-
1: here's the thing like i don't know <laughs> i don't know like the what i'm supposed to be doing over by the people with the ticket like i want to buy some tickets right now like there's a certain play i want to get and i don't know if like i'm supposed to like just flash some cash like tap it against my hand maybe you can put a little sign on a stick i mean yeah i just need i need 100 tickets please. dollars for ticks yeah, I mean that's probably not condoned, but you know, it'll be okay.
0: Can I tell you about my modern challenge? That,
1: that's the most important thing. We've been talking for eight and a half minutes. before we've been talked about Magic the Gathering. So, <laughs> is that what we're here to do? Though, <laughs> um,
0: I had a great little modern challenge to start the weekend. It's almost analogous to this episode of Entourage. Remember the episode of Entourage where they go to Las Vegas, and as soon no, as I they never walk in, in Entourage. it's my loss. It sure is. As soon as they walk in, they put ten dollars on red and if they win their money back in roulette they know they're gonna have a good weekend i kind of did that with a modern challenge yesterday where i i signed up and i went three o four o. 0 what's the four oh yeah okay so you want an unusual oh, record oh that's weird yeah round one i got paired against mill i'm on is it murktide that seems okay for you i had a couple turn to 8-8 eight, eight, flyers that (laughs) got the job done. Got the job done quick. And that was the first time I realized I have 30 minutes between rounds to go to the hotel and lighten up my backpack and you know, dip my toes in a warm bath. (laughs) (laughs) Round two I played against Infect, another 2-0. Yeah. A little bit more of a grindy matchup, but
1: I still got the job done.
0: And then round three rolls around and my opponent doesn't show
1: up. So I that, get the win by default. That's what's amazing because it had to be. It had to be a two. They were also two zero ha- theoretically. Yeah, and so that. You know, I mean, I'm guessing that they wanted to make the the modern uh, special challenge where you get like higher EV. Maybe it, there's a host of different exp- possible explanations. Yeah, and they were hungry. Yeah, it's hard to know the truth. Their flight left really early on Friday
0: for some reason. Something that's true of this event that we did not experience in Vegas, I don't think it was active in Vegas yet, is all the pairings for all of your events are sent through to your telephone via the MTG Companion app. Yes. And what's nice about the convention center is there is free Wi-Fi because service is essentially non-existent, but you constantly have
1: to log
0: into the Companion app. We're
1: stealing it. We're stealing the Wi-Fi from a hotel. What? Yeah, that, no, There's no Wi-Fi provided here. Shane, Lower your voice. It's, well, I mean, we're, we're stealing packets you, of data. It doesn't. It basically it does not say you must be a guest of this hotel to use this wi You read the term of service. Yeah, I read the entire terms of service, the uh, end user license agreement (EULA), if you will.
0: Yeah. So I, I, your guess is as good as mine. But that was a fun way to start. I got yeah, 450, 450 tickets, which
1: I per- then promptly purchased off you.
0: And I did the math, and I doubled up on my entry.
1: Yeah, there you it, go. Is
0: ultimately what happened. So
1: that's, I mean, that's good EV, baby. That,
0: that's, that is how you make it to the top brackets of competitive play, is you just got to nickel and dime your way to positive yeah. EV. And then,
1: yeah, so I think about that sometimes where it's like, okay, if I ever go, if I ever a positive EV at, a, at an EV at an event, I only have to do that about 795 times before I've made up my modern purchase. My modern purchase is, like, it's worth it at that point. Like, I I've, so made, I've made the money back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that we're going to play the Pioneer Challenge in about 30 minutes. What yeah. are you playing in Pioneer
1: today? Well, but, uh, well I'll, I'll answer that question. Then I'm gonna go back to our the, our my moment event. Oh yeah. So uh, I today. So I was fully planning on coming in doing Mono Red in Pioneer, and that's pr- one reason is because it's very similar to a lot of Mono Red decks that I have played and enjoyed in the past. I mean, I played Mono Red in Pioneer two years ago at gp phoenix and it's always been a fun deck i like the new shonda 3 a lot i think she's really fun i think you were right on when you in our spoiler episode you mentioned her plussing up enabling spectacle giving you the mana to cast a spectacle spell all before combat yeah with prowess creatures yeah is really potent and really good And and it works like how you want it to very often Right, with Light up the Stage in yes. particular. like Skewer is cool
0: because you feel like you're just doing actual burn spells, yeah. but turn if you have a Swiss Spear out, turn three Chandra, tick her up, get a Light up the Stage. You're probably not casting anything off that Light of the Stage, but now you have as much as four to five mana on the next turn yes. to do whatever you want with what you draw.
1: Yeah. So I have liked messing around with that. There's like actually a really similar Historic deck that doesn't have Eidolon it doesn't have Monastery Swiss Pier. It doesn't have uh, those powerful spells. But it, it plays really similar. It's a lot of fun to play. I played Arena for the first time, like, in six weeks the other night, and I enjoyed playing that.
0: What cards does it play instead? Is it a clean, like, swap of four for four? I don't remember. I don't remember. I w- yeah, I wonder if it's just, like, DRC and Unholy Heats.
1: It's not that, which is surprising. But so, um, But enough about what I'm not playing, because yeah. I... Decided last night when we were doing a little bit of practice after dinner, I was like, there's no time like the present to learn how to play this Rakdos mid-range style deck. And it's a lot of fun. It played really well. Like, I felt like, you know, there's some games where you did get under me and those felt fair. And there were some games where I got the board locked down i started getting a lot of value out of my two for ones out of my removal spells dude yeah and, and,
0: and your graveyard trespassers the gravi-
1: those were a lot of fun that
0: was perhaps the most impressive card for me to see you play yesterday i'd never played against it and it's just tarmogoyf it's pioneer tarmogoyf
1: that gains you life <laughs> i mean it doesn't grow from the graveyard but it's tarmogoyf sized yeah it's essentially a goyf in pioneer terms i mean it also costs three mana
0: you have to adjust for inflation good based point. on the size of the format. Yeah.
1: We're seeing mana value creep. It's going up, okay. not down. So when we were playing uh, playing last night, I really enjoyed the deck. I thought Graveyard Trash was dope. I mean, if I could have a deck where I can cast Chandra 4, I can cast Kalidus again, uh, that was good. You know what was su- surprising for me was how good the slow dual lands felt in a mid-range deck. Like, yes. They felt like, basically, most of the time, when you play, even playing four of them, I mean, it was a small sample size, but it never felt like it was in my way, where sure. I was like, oh man, this is, this is terrible.
0: The other thing I was really impressed by is the new Kiki Jiki Saga. Yeah, it's value. The amount of damage that enabled you to push through, and the occasional ETB triggers off the Traspass yeah, that, that it cool. enabled was kind of scary, and it felt like a, a must-kill as soon as you flip it into a saga. Yeah. Now, I think you never kill the shaman, but they're to kill the goblin as quickly as you can.
1: <laughs> the, um yeah, the, the, you get a creature, you get hand filtering, and then you get a kind of on-demand clone, which is pretty cool. Like, so all of those things combined add up to a surprising amount of value out of a three drop. It, yeah. it does feel like, I wish it was like 2.5. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, it's sort of, it feels fair for three. It would feel amazing at two. Yeah. And so I think it's like a pioneer power level card where it's like, hey, this is, this is what you're going to play in a mid-rangey deck at three mana, and it's going to feel okay. Yeah. So You mentioned that you played Modern yesterday as well? Oh, yeah. Modern yesterday. Uh, I guess we forgot to talk about that. So that I, I was just I tried to take it easy after th- after thinking hard through some fab games. I was like I on to cruise for a while. I played uh, Boros Burn and had a it had, it had a really fun event and also close games. So like my opponents were all some of like just the you know really the the classic opponent you want like fun to play against. Good little table banter, having some just playing some cards yeah. and uh, I, Naruto headband. Yes, exactly. I played against Azorius Control, and that was a close one. They, they took that. I then beat Murktide. Hey, okay, now. Then I... That's the, that's the match you're supposed to win. You think so? As a burn flare, yeah. Okay, that's I'm fine. I'll, I did win it. You and good. then, I, then uh, when you're... When you're here's, a, here's a pro tip. When you're... For one, me or the listeners? For the listeners. If you're at these side events... Because I don't want to hear it. If you're one and one, okay, going into round three... If you lose, and you have, and you go one zero two one two, you get thirty tickets, which it is like not very much. It's like maybe like three dollars. Yeah, and you spent twenty bucks to get in.
0: Twenty two with sales tax. Exactly.
1: So, what the the pro move, in my opinion, is to politely ask your opponent if they're interested in splitting, because then you both get ninety. Yes. So. That's just kind of better EV overall. Can we do uh, just a
0: quick little role play of yeah. how, the, how you can politely ask someone to split in that position? So let's say I'm sitting down, I'm your opponent round three. Yeah. I'm, you know, gra- gingerly grabbing my deck box out of my backpack, just trying to eyeball you a little yeah. bit. I'm, gonna, out your I'm, vibe, an, I'm an
1: imposing figure across the table. Trying to figure out why you're not wearing a Naruto headband. Yeah. So uh, how's the tournament going for you? It's great. I'm uh, having a great day. Where are you in from? Des Moines. Des Moines. I love Des Moines. It's my favorite town in Iowa. I hate Des Moines. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, you're trying to move? It's, I'd leave any chance I can get. <laughs> well, uh, I have some good friends in Des Moines, and I'll... Oh, I, you know I'll, Charlie? I'll introduce you to them. But... Uh, Do you know Gwendolyn? Since we're both... if we're Since we're one... Are you one in one? Yes. Then uh, are you interested in splitting? So we both get 90 tickets instead of uh, 30, potentially?
0: I need to call a judge. I don't, are you bribing me?
1: <laughs> is this a bribe? I'll pay you five dollars to split. Don't do don't do this. But anyway, yeah, most people get it if they if they unless it's like you know the very yeah. first one. And, and we never put it out, which is the fun part.
0: More importantly, I think a lot of people are willing to split round three because of the way the schedule works at events it's like tight. this. It's is tight. that it's just kind of nice to just like get in and get out as quickly as possible.
1: Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I'm, it was a fun event. I I played Yawgmoth round three, even though we drew and um, I didn't, I mean, I haven't played a lot of Yawgmoth versus Burn. It seems like it's a pretty cozy matchup for Burn, but I could be wrong. I think there's ways to gain life, but you have to get there. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to our Pioneer events in 15 minutes. So we should probably get ready for that. But I think, I I think I see a wild David. David I think I see a wild David. Dave, do you want to get on this real fast? Uh, he, it looks like he's eating a breakfast hot dog. Yeah, so we should we should get prepped for uh, the Pioneer event. Make yeah. sure I have all my cards in order. And uh, we'll reconnect between rounds, perhaps.
0: I hope so. Okay. Maybe I'll spot you at the hotel room in 30 minutes.
1: Yeah, let's go take a break. All right, man, I love us. I love us. I'm so glad Dave wasn't there. <laughs> It was funny. He was like six <laughs> until, feet away.
0: Until he walked over and quietly, awkwardly sat next to us, staring at us about why
2: he's not on the show. I thought that that was it for me. I thought really thought that this was going to be it. Yeah. But guess what, Dave? You're rehired. Amazing. I thought I was going to have to pay for this flight and hotel room myself, and then turns out I'm, we're good. No, yep. you're good. So
1: Saturday was kind of the, the day we had the most time because we were here all day. Mm-hmm. So we got to the Tournament Center... Bright and early, about nine ish, uh, we decided. Dave, you decided. Oh, Dave got there. We got breakfast and there in time for Dave to play the nine a.m. modern challenge. Yeah. So, what were you? What were you running today, Dave?
2: So yesterday I played Grixis Death Shadow, and today I played Grixis Death Shadow in the morning, and it's been going fine.
1: Yeah, ish. Not great. You are, you, know, are you doing those, the four-color
2: stuff that we've start, suddenly has been sweeping the nation? I mean, people, I was thinking about it. If I was going to play the main event, I decided not to play the main event. I just played side things instead. And so I just stuck with Grixis. So I'm just playing Kaito and kind of trying to keep it simple. Turns out for the side events... You don't have to worry about cascade and side events. Nobody's nobody's bringing that for fun to a to a three round tournament. Yeah. Um but maybe I maybe not um, at
0: the tables you're at. Yeah. Maybe maybe at the top tables. Yeah at the top <laughs> tables <more> cascading. <laughs>
2: well, true. I mean I kinda went like one and two and one in the one yesterday afternoon and then I went one one and one in the one that I did this morning with Shadow. Um I think I played okay. I I don't think it was anything great. I did lose to Burn a couple of times and that was pretty rough, you know, playing that Burn versus of Shadow classic matchup. It's a real Burn meta down here. I played against Burn three different times inside events I mean, out of the nine matches I've or eight matches I've played. So, people here. want those fast games. They want a lot of breaks between rounds.
1: <laughs>
0: Yeah, Dave. I gotta say, in retrospect, I wish I joined you for that nine thirty modern because what ended up happening with me and Shane, we played a ten a.m. Pioneer
1: challenge, right? Yeah.
0: And we wanted to play modern at, I want to say it was twelve thirty. Yeah, basically
1: yeah. it was. Yeah, it was twelve thirty, and it was full by the just when we finished our Pioneer event. Yeah, because our opponent, we both drew with our opponents round three, and then immediately announcement from above, call from the heavens. The, the event has been filled yeah yeah so i ended up just playing pioneer
0: twice today and i only got to play modern once the whole weekend yeah i brought so many modern decks <laughs> i brought so many modern cards I, I brought an entire shelf on wheels that i've been just wheeling around the convention hall my my mobile shelf <laughs> yeah a tough tough neck case or yeah. whatever they call God. it yeah. yeah i
1: hope you didn't do that i didn't notice that
0: you didn't notice the giant shelf no. i was wheeling around <laughs> with my 4,000 modern ducks <laughs> Is it
2: Calyx? Is it your favorite Ikea it, it, or your yeah, second it, favorite it, it, Ikea? It's the Calyx
1: that yeah. I have the little wheels attached to on the yeah, bottom. Yeah, I love it. They cost extra. So, but Dave, since you did play a lot of Shadow this weekend, did you feel like you learned anything new about it? Like, what were your experiences like? Like,
2: what, did you, what are you thinking about it? And which version of Shadow did you actually play? So, I was saying I played Grixis with Kaido in it, and I think that the deck is plenty solid right now. I just think that, um, I guess the stuff that I learned the most is like trying to calibrate how aggressive you can be with sh- fetch shocking. Basically, just continuing to like hone on that, like versus different types of decks, what's okay and what's not okay, and you know, uh, how close to the sun can you fly when you're burned? and how much work are they going to do for you when you can play your big Death Shadow? I mean, it's amazing how much Death Shadow when you throw it down can stabilize your board state, even if you're behind, just by being a gigantic blocker that they can't attack into anymore until you can kind of set yourself up to go forward. Um, learned a lot more about the power of dive down. Not dive down. Dress down. <laughs> the power of dive down, but also just dress down being such a real a really excellent card for enabling so many different things in that deck and often siding it in, you know, siding in an extra one in between in different matchups where it doesn't seem like you'd really want it. Yeah. Um, I had fun playing Shadow for sure. And then this afternoon I played in the 1230, I played the challenge bonus or the double challenge that you guys couldn't get into. And I played uh that's obash uh, Obosh Boros prowess list that I was messing around with towards the end of last year that we talked to uh, Carolyn Cavanaugh about on the episode that we had her on for. And that was good too. I mean, I had, I only went one, two with it, but it was, I had a couple of really close matchups. I lost a heartbreaker against Gruel really in the third round, um, beat burn and uh, lost a really close matchup to uh, hammer mm. in the first round actually, which I, f- usually feel really good about hammer but i had one of those ones where they let off with uh sentinel not sentinel in VAC, uh, Oh, uh yeah in VAC both times and i just never drew into white removal yeah um, <sighs> brutal so and this was a pretty mid-rangey boros deck where i wasn't even running lava dart or anything like that i was focusing more on a little bit bigger deck so dave thanks for the the brief on your modern experiences uh, uh, my, my very average modern experiences so what was your final record was it don't don't put them on the spot like that i mean it's not good it's like three four and one okay. i guess three five and one something like that okay
0: so we have some room to improve we have some opportunities to learn would you <laughs> keep focusing on shadow do you want to actually pay a little more attention to boros or did you see something else that was so impressive that you may even want to change your priorities altogether
2: well i am going to play one more challenge tomorrow morning and i think i'm going to switch my deck up completely and go play murktide yes for fun yeah and just see how that goes you know i've had all the cards for this deck for such a long time ostensibly i've told people for a long time that counterspell and lightning bolt are my favorite cards let's go let's go play the deck that has them
0: dave wait until you resolve an expressive iteration
2: well, I mean, I, I am using expressive iteration <laughs> in shadow. Wait until you do that again tomorrow morning. You're gonna love it. Yeah, it's gonna be great. I'm mostly looking forward to casting Counterspell for the first time in a sanctioned match of magic in, I don't know, 16 years. <laughs> oh man. Well, probably more. So Stanislav, you and I, as we've hinted at,
1: had we're, we're the pioneer boys now. We just we played a don't, lot of. A lot I don't of,
0: love your labels.
1: Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm slapping that label on you. I am just a casual spike. We're, we're 100% pioneer boys. I'm just trying time. to get to regionals. So the, the the real problem with these the problem, quote unquote, with these side events is like it's p- opponents jump around a lot. There's <laughs> a lot of people in a lot of events and people are trying to get to their two-headed giant event with their friend and so they might drop or they might just be like, "Hey, do you do you want to you know, do you want to um draw?" and because I need to go meet somebody and it's like, "Well, um Yeah, you know, so there's just a lot of that happening. And so I think across the three side events I did, I probably had a total of four at least games I just didn't play. Or probably three I didn't play and then a fourth that we just drew and played off for fun. So be prepared for that kind of stuff at these type of events. It just happens a lot. So, you know, but if you come wanting to play a ton of magic, sometimes that can, you know, that can be a little bit disappointing. But that's when you go walk around, look at the vendors. Look at the table. See what's going on. Talk or, about EV. Yeah, with strangers. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, I was on Red Black all weekend, and I have to say, I haven't been a mid-range player for a while.
2: And Dave, what do you think about that sentence? Haven't been a mi- mid-range is dead. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right? Mid-range is alive and well. Doesn't in, doesn't in Pioneer doesn't
1: Chain love mid-range but hates to admit it. <sighs> well, here's the thing. I I like when mid-range can be good because then you get to there's, there's a few spells you get to play in mid range that are just really fun. Oh yeah. I mean I've I think I've been on record that Thoughtseize is my favorite one mana spell. I think we had some question like that what's your favorite one mana spell and I think I said Thoughtseize mm-hmm. because like you have to think a lot about it. And there's a lot of things that you know there's a lot of cascading things from that one decision point. And anyway, I thought Rakdos was really great. Um it felt a lot of fun. It, it felt pretty helpless against five colored Niv, uh, but that's what you sign up for. And all in all, my opponents were a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun matches and I think Rakdos is a is a is a great choice for a diverse Pioneer metagame and I think there's only room to iterate and adapt it. And I think Pioneer is, is was feeling pretty fun this weekend. Um and I'm I'm excited to play that deck more on the Pioneer Leagues and as as Players are more excited, and as we're prepping for uh, qualification events, what, were, what was your what were your pioneer events like, Stan? Similar, and a little different. I played two
0: today, not expecting that. I only brought one pioneer deck with me. I played mono
2: red, a little out of character for you, but in but a reasonable deck to build in pioneer.
0: Yeah, you know, I just had it.
2: To be honest, all I was missing was a handful of sideboard
0: cards, and I just. Picked up some lava coils and redcap melees, and I had the deck. Nice. I got those Chandra's and the bugbears early because I thought those cards had promise.
2: Even in modern, I've been playing. That's what I was playing in that Boros deck. So heck yeah,
0: yeah. I had a great time. I finished my first challenge two oh one. My opponent and I chopped, and my second challenge is when fatigue really set in. Oh yeah, and I was getting really sleepy weekend of playing a lot of magic caught up with me and i went one and two Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and the win was a buy but (laughs) but even my two losses i
1: took a game so yeah it's not like i completely pooped the bed did did you feel like you got a grasp on what pioneer is actually feeling like right now or are people playing like some rogue decks or things like that great question i didn't play any rogue decks and
0: i didn't play the same deck twice ever so i played against winota which was Really good and kind of crushed my dreams. Yeah, I played against Rakdos mid range. I played against Spirits. There's one other one that is
1: escaping me right now. Play against any like Lotus Field or any big mana type strategy.
0: No Lotus Field, Phoenix. No Phoenix. But overall, Pioneer is fun. I mean, if this is the format I'm going to have to focus on if I want to qualify for the regional championship, I won't mind. Yeah. And I'm I'm looking forward to exploring it. And I actually think that the format not only did it get an injection of life because of
2: the support the from organized
0: play. Yeah. But I think with that we'll see waterfalls of ingenuity from more people paying attention to it and looking for how to tighten up strategies, how to identify new strategies altogether. This new set could have an impact on Pioneer. I think standard sets are more likely to have impacts on Pioneer than they are on modern. So, as long as it doesn't like break again, which Pioneer has kind of seemed prone to in a way, maybe modern is as well. I don't know. But overall, good weekend. I wish I could have played more modern, but the yeah. Pioneer stuff was fun. Yeah,
1: I'll get another modern event in tomorrow with Dave because we're here till the early afternoon. You got to bounce early. But yeah, I think overall, the event, it felt like a lot of other events. Yeah. It was Stuff was running on time, at least for start times. Um, I thought the, you know, the judge staff is always present and there and great. There's enough people to take care of things. Lines were never long. Everything went as smoothly as I would like. I had great opponents, uh, got to see you all. So all in all, uh, successful trip. Dave, before we get on out of here. You said there was some. We got some stats on the. We should talk about the
2: thirty k that's going on here, right? Yes, let's do it really quickly here because I know we're all hungry and the event isn't done quite yet. So I'm sure. going to go through. Just get your sense of what you think about this yeah. meta. So yeah, cause I'm, cause
1: we could talk about the results when like, when we're all at home, maybe briefly
2: on Monday or something like yeah, that. Yeah, or maybe even next week. Yeah. Um, so on MTG Melee, one of the things that's cool is that when things are run on there people have to label their decks with names now they're not always accurate yeah so we're just we're trusting people right now right but however you do get a sense immediately of what the archetype breakdown is and so here it is in order the number one deck registered this for this 30k oh, can, I, can i guess
1: can i guess yes
2: uh murktide i would have guessed murktide as well okay you can also guess murktide it's is it murktide with <laughs> 88 88 decks which is 9% of the field, almost 10% of the field, 9.6% of the field. What about the number two deck? Stan's looking at my screen, so he knows. I I
0: actually didn't see it. It's all a blur. I'm so hungry. Amulet. Texas is a burn meta.
2: It's hot here in Fort Worth during the Arts Festival. It is burn with 8.2% of the meta. So the top two decks by a pretty good margin are Is It Murktide and then followed by Burn. After that, Azorius Control. Oh yeah, with five point six percent of the meta, and with the same exact number of decks, five point six percent of the meta, Amulet Titan. Yeah, wow. Okay, so the next couple decks that were above four percent are Four Color Blink, that was four point three percent, and Teamer Crashcade, four point two percent. Those are your top six decks. So Murktide Burn, Blue Eye Control, Titan, Four Color Blink, and Teamer Crashcade. Sounds like Modern. Where's Living End? Well, interesting question. If you look at the decks that are hovering around 3%, there's five of them that are between 3 and 4%. And those are Golgari Yagmoth with almost 4%, Whoa. Living End with close to 3.5%, Anazorius Hammer with the same amount, 3.5%, Mono Green Tron with 3.4%, and Grixis Death Shadow, 3.1%. There's your tier two kind of decks right now. Apparently, people didn't want to bring Living End after what happened a couple weeks ago.
1: Yeah.
0: Shane and I were walking around the top tables a little bit, too, just to get a peek at what some of the stuff that people are playing. We're on, like,
1: round four, I think. So, still
0: the Wild West. No doubt. And in those matchups, we saw a lot of familiar decks at play. Yep. And a couple surprises.
1: Yeah, we saw. Well, we saw uh
0: simic it, infect. We saw simic infect. We saw spirits. <laughs> we saw I spirits think, at, at like table two.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. so
0: but they then, were running hot. Yeah, but then there was a hammer, a murktide, a living end at the top tables, a crash can at the top tables.
1: What was what was the 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 fanciest deck you saw? Because I saw a fully foil. I saw fully foiled Japanese dredge. Wow. I saw a fully foiled living end. Wow. And I
2: playing across from fully foiled uh, four-color control. Wow. That was fancy. Oof. Sounds fancy. Interesting. The last deck that was above 2% of the metagame was Jund. Wow. So there were... I saw a two, lot of Jund Saga today. Like there at were 12 tables. decks that were 2% or more of the, the field. So uh, don't have a running total on that right now. Real quick, before we go, we do one other nice thing about Melee is that it has match win percentages as well. For decks or players? For decks, so we can take a look right here now, and the top couple of match win percentages for popular archetypes. The archetypes we we're just talking seven, about. Round seven, round eight. Sorry, what round are we through? I think we're through the day. I think we're on okay. round seven at least. Okay. Golgari Yagmoth has sixty percent win percentage today, Ooh-hoo! with thirty-five pilots. Four Color Blink has a sixty percent win percentage today with forty pilots. The next one from there is Living End, 57%. Then Jund with 55%. And Amulet Titan with 53%. Azorius Control with 53%. And Is It Merc Tide with 51%, basically. The big losers here, are the ones that are below 50%, or well below 50%, Burn, 47.25%. Mono Green Tron 43%. Ooh, that stings. Hoo-hoo. And the big one that hurts my heart and makes me glad I didn't play the main Grixis Death Shadow 33% win oh. percentage today. Oh. Woof. A So, that's the top level view of the meta today.
1: Yeah. So, Stan, I know we ran into some people, and I think you were better at remembering names than me. Who did uh, some quick shout-outs to people we ran into, people we know that are here? Oh,
0: yeah. It was so nice. We got to see – well, we got to all say hello to friend of the show, Evert. Yes. Sparring Spike. When I chatted with him, it was after round five, and he was still, I think, undefeated on Just Guy Lotus. I think he was 4-1. Maybe 4-1. Yeah. So he was but doing well. He was doing pretty well. But in addition to Everett, we got to hang out with friends of the show: Jay, Andy, Cora, Daryl, Jake, Brent. We haven't seen Brent yet, but we're we'll hoping see, we'll, to. We'll see Brent. We're hoping to see Brent.
1: Yeah, but just it's nice to you know see people uh, that we know and who know us, and that's the really the best part about magic is the gathering. So uh, again, uh, it's great to go to these events we're glad that they're happening we're going to try to get to you know a couple each year if we can so uh if you didn't see us at this one see us in the future and we'll see you if this is your first time listening to
0: the dive down make sure you subscribe and leave us a review over on apple podcasts and or spotify if you'd like to support the show you can find our patreon over at patreon.com slash the dive down you can also support us with a mana trader subscription coupon code the dive down 2022 get 15 percent off your first two months of renting magic online cards you can also support us with
1: barrister and man barrister and man M A double n
0: use coupon code the dive down 2022 get 15 percent off your first order there as always thanks to the bands nowhere and spaceblood for letting us use their music and until next week greetings from texas